I had let my health get to such a bad place because I knew if I go to the hospital, I'm not going to be able to, to pay for any of this. When I voted for the expansion and I saw those results come in, I, I literally it broke down and cried. On this episode of Ford Focus, we're hearing real stories from Missourians who are currently or have previously fallen in the coverage gap. I'm McLean Bright-Macklin, the Director of Policy and Strategic Initiatives for Health Ford Foundation. We're launching this series of podcast episodes to highlight Health Forward's policy agenda to lift up some of our priorities and the work and stories of those that we serve. Last August, Missouri voters passed a constitutional amendment to expand Medicaid to over 230,000 additional Missourians previously in the coverage gap. Health Forward was very much involved in these efforts to expand Medicaid in Missouri, but the work continues in part through the discussion we will have in a few moments. Through this conversation, we aim to lift up the voices of those who have experienced life without healthcare coverage and lift up the efforts of those working to see implementation into reality and get Missourians enrolled. The coverage gap, for those who may not know, includes adults who made too much to qualify for Medicaid and are still below the poverty line. These are older Missourians, parents, and low-wage, frontline, and essential workers. It can be difficult to understand policy unless you feel it, unless you feel its impact or can somehow relate through lived experience, which is why highlighting real stories and experiences is so important for context. I'd like to introduce our guests, Amber and Lucky. Hi, uh, I'm Amber Ledbetter. I'm a 32-year-old single mom, had Crohn's since I was 15. The last several years being in the gap have been pretty rough, (laughs) not going to lie. And I honestly have not been able to work since September just because it's, it's got me so down. So I fell in the gap once I basically had to leave the full-time workforce and was kind of between a rock and a hard place for a while there. (laughs) And Medicaid expansion has changed my life. (laughs) Hi, I'm Lucky Garcia. I am a disabled Iraq war veteran. Been living in Kansas City for about 15 years. I'm also a writer, poet, community organizer, and educator. And, um, and software engineer by day. <laughs> um, as far as my healthcare history, I have run into many challenges. So, Lucky, you you recently obtained coverage, and Amber, you're still in the gap, or I've got that reversed. I still do not have coverage. Um, my disability compensation does not allow me to make ends meet, but it also does not allow does not qualify me for Medicaid. And um, I also fall in the gap of um, not making enough money um, to pay for healthcare through the marketplace. And I don't qualify for a credit because I'm a veteran. So they say you can use the VA. However, if I'm not near a VA and I have an accident, um, you know, I wouldn't be uh, covered and I could be, you know, medically, financially bankrupt. Um, and I, I made too much money to qualify for, uh, Medicaid. 
So there are many, there are thousands of veterans in Missouri who have a similar situation that I do as far as being in the gap and not being covered. I have recently um, been uh, been able to get on Medicaid okay. because okay. I, I couldn't work as much. From your perspective, uh, and in your words, what do you think was the catalyst for voters passing Medicaid expansion last August? Well, honestly, this is just my opinion. I honestly have no idea why people were so willing to finally expand Medicaid, other than the fact that there are a lot of people that need it. (laughs) And there are a lot of people that have family and friends that they see needing it. Because I think that that was a big turning point for my family, who's mostly conservative, is seeing just how quickly somebody they knew and loved deteriorate, regardless of how hard they worked or what kind of benefits they could get through their job or whatever the case may be. At some point, there are circumstances that you just you can't help it. And you have to be able to get some sort of medical coverage in order to be a living human being. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that people are just becoming more and more aware of the issue as people are more and more people are falling into that gap and struggling and having hardships in, you know, the middle of all the other hardships. Lucky, do you have any insights on what you heard or experienced uh, during the midst of the campaign and why voters turned out and passed Medicaid expansion? Yeah, and and that's a good and interesting question. Um, I think just just from my perspective, uh, I think that the overall state of healthcare in in Missouri and in the country is dwindling and uh, becoming dire. And I think people are able to see that and they're feeling it. Um, the political climate, I think, had a, um, a, an effect on uh, the decisions that people made with their votes. I mean, tens of millions of people unemployed due to the pandemic. And most people get their health insurance and their health care coverage through their jobs. And so I think that people who otherwise wouldn't have voted were directly seeing the impact of um, not having health care coverage, either themselves mm-hmm. or through their loved ones, like Amber pointed out. I think people are beginning to finally see that health care is a human right, and it is possible to have good and accessible health care in this country, as we've seen in many other countries in the world. I'm going to back this up a little bit because I've had the, the benefit of, of getting to know you both. I would like to give you know other folks that, that benefit as well and just ask if there are any stories that either of you can share when you needed health care coverage and didn't have it and, and how you dealt with that and, and maybe contextualize that with you know some of the conditions that you face, if you don't mind uh, sharing that. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I do have access to, as a disabled Iraq war veteran, I do have access to the VA Medical Center. However, I've um, come across many challenges in not only navigating the system, but in receiving the medical care that I need. Um, and one of those things is a mental health care. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, when I tried to receive mental health care from the VA, I found out that the VA doesn't offer support-based talk therapy, which has been critical to my healing from the war and to my deconditioning um, of the, from the military. And so for the last seven or eight years that I have been prioritizing my mental health, I've had to pay out of pocket. And um, paying out of pocket uh, and being a disabled veteran um, doesn't provide many options. Um, I've also experienced where I have specifically asked the VA not to send me uh, drugs, drugs that I had previously had um, very bad reactions to. And mm -hmm. I asked over and over, please don't send them to me. They sent them to me anyway. And when I called and um, to check what was going on because I requested they didn't send them, they wouldn't take them back and I, I refused to pay for them and they garnished my um, income taxes at the end of the year to pay for the drugs that I specifically asked not to. And so there's a financial burden there on top of the accessibility and on top of being able to, you know, the, the hardship of being able to navigate the VA. So being a disab disabled veteran and not receiving adequate and accessible health care from the VA, but also not being able to afford health care outside of the VA has um, presented very limited options and actually puts me in closer proximity to danger, if I'm honest. Well, I really appreciate you for sharing all that. Amber, uh, anything you'd like to add or share on that? I honestly, my, my story is kind of a downward spiral <laughs> of circumstances um, that were just unfortunate. And um, when I, when I got divorced, I, I was in a, an abusive marriage previously, and that really took a toll on my physical health and also working, um, you know, full-time job, sometimes overtime to try and make ends meet. Eventually, after I separated from my ex-husband and then I had the, the two boys um, alone and then I had to move back in with my parents, my physical health had been deteriorating for a while and I was having to take more and more time off of work through uh, like a government protected FMLA type situation. Mm -hmm. So you only get like certain a certain number of hours from the government that are protected each year. And then as I got sicker, I wasn't able to to use that time anymore because it was running out before the end of the year. So I eventually had to leave working full time um, going into being self-employed. It got a little complicated because I thought, oh, well, maybe I can get some kind of of health care coverage through the the healthcare.gov. And went on and found out that I didn't make enough for that anymore. I looked into some um, insurance sharing plans like MediShare and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, but they were still just far too expensive. And then whenever I looked into Medicaid, it was um, it was that I made too much money, just like what Lucky was talking about. So 
I had let my health get to such a bad place because I knew if I go to the hospital, I'm not going to be able to to pay for any of this. So um, for a long time, I just wasn't getting health care. I finally, a friend told me to go to one of the other local hospitals in town, and they actually had a uh, like a financial assistance program. So they were covering me, but I did have to completely move everything over from one healthcare network to the other, which got a little complicated. By the time I finally got on Medicaid, I was already in the ice. I had ended up in the ICU because I had gotten so sick. And then I was transferred over to the hospital and we started talking surgery options. So like the first thing that I did when I got on Medicaid is I had major surgery. (laughs) And then um, I was at a commission. I haven't been able to work since then because, you know, the pandemic and everything else that's been going on. I ended up getting COVID and then I had some complications right after surgery with getting um, like some sort of an internal infection. So I ended up in the hospital again. And it was just pure chaos. But Mm. if it wasn't for being able to get on Medicaid, having the hospital help me out, I mean, I could have died. I don't really honestly know what I'd be doing if I hadn't finally been able to get on Medicaid. Yeah, I I really think, Amber, that that um, that perspective is is really enlightening because uh, I was wondering, um, you know, what it must have felt like for you to have not been covered uh, and then to get coverage and what things you might have put off or not done because you couldn't afford them that were on your you know immediate to do list to take care of once you did get that coverage um, and just the load that must have been lifted off of you to have coverage, not only for yourself, but for your kids uh, so that you can meet those. those. So thank you for sharing all that. And and, and Lucky, just want to get sort of the, the, flip, the flip side of the coin in your perspective, knowing that with expansion, that you'll now be eligible to gain access to coverage. What does that mean for you? And, and how do you see that impacting your life? You know, McLean, it, if I'm honest, and I'm just going to, you know, be honest and vulnerable here for a minute. Yeah. Um, when I voted for the expansion and I saw those results come in, I, I literally it broke down and cried. Mm-hmm. I have been without health care for so many years and in fear of something catastrophic happening and then that leading to catastrophic financial ruin I've struggled with homelessness. Um, And so it was this huge relief. But what it means to me is is freedom and quality of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that every human um, should be treated with dignity and respect. I believe that healthcare is a human right. And it doesn't matter um, if you were born here in the United States. It doesn't matter your race or age or sex or gender, or if you have a job or how much money you make, it is a basic human right. And knowing that that basic human right could be relieved for me was such a big deal. 
I'm a very active person. I love the outdoors. I grew up in the Rocky Mountains running around in the woods. I, I love being outside. I love physical activity. But for several years, I've had to limit myself. And those things aren't just good for my physical health. Those right. things are good for all mind, body, spirit, um, you just how you interact, how you hold yourself, how you feel. And um, even down to like the relationships that you can keep when you feel healthy. And mm -hmm. I've had to suppress those things. I've had to not do the things that I love and enjoy and those activities in fear that an accident might happen and I wouldn't be covered. And it, this means, this expansion means that I don't have to worry about those things. I can have a better quality of life, but I also don't have to worry about being restricted to my residence as far as living near a VA medical center. Mm -hmm. I can, um, I can move if I, if, if I need to, or if I want to, I can travel. Um, I, I just can't express enough what a relief that is. I want to thank both of you uh, for giving of your time, for sharing your stories and your perspectives, because like I said, it's, it's these stories that help to shed light and to garner understanding for why uh, policy changes such as Medicaid expansion are so important for Missourians. So thank you both uh, for, for joining us. And if either of you have any closing thoughts to share, Amber or Lucky, uh, please do. I would like people to take away um, thinking even bigger picture when it comes to healthcare coverage. Um, I, I would like people to consider this a human right and that we should have quality and accessible healthcare for everyone, no matter what. I just wanted to say thanks, thanks for having me on the show, McLean, and it's been a pleasure and I just invite and challenge everyone to keep fighting for healthcare. The only other thing that I um, forgot to mention was um, one of the biggest game changers for me is access to medication. So even when the local hospital was covering my health care for me, I still had to pay out of pocket for medication. And so I wasn't able to have any sort of access to the meds that help for Crohn's because most of them, the biologics are like something like a hundred grand a year for just one medication. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so wow. that was um, a huge turning point was even though I could go to the doctor, I could go to the hospital, I could get um, immediate care. I still couldn't have any access to life-saving medications that could prevent me from spiraling again and needing additional surgery. So it's been it's been awesome <laughs> getting Medicaid finally. And I just really appreciate you guys hearing us out and chatting with us and appreciate all the work that you've done to, to help further this cause because I know it's been a big team effort. <laughs> So we're now going to shift the conversation to speaking with a woman who wears many hats uh, in Medicaid expansion, both the campaign and now that we're in the implementation stage. My name is Cecilia Belzer-Patton, and I am the coordinator for Healthcare for Missouri, Medicaid expansion and implementation. 
What we're trying to accomplish with Medicaid expansion implementation in the state of Missouri is ensuring that nearly 250,000 hardworking Missourians have access to affordable health care. We think that this is important. We know that this is important. It will help the economy of our state. It will also help um, our Missourians um, who are working and who deserve to live great lives, to live better lives. And that's what we want to happen on July 1st, 2021. Because you've been so involved in all stages of this Medicaid expansion effort, can you just (laughs) encapsulate for us why Medicaid expansion is so important for Missourians? We know that this is important because we have seen in state after state where Medicaid expansion has been implemented in the state, um, the quality of life has gone up for that state's constituents. And we want that for hardworking Missourians. We know that um, people should not have to choose between um, health care and whether they pay their rent or their mortgage or whether they pay their utility bills or putting food on the table. And we also know that when Missourians are healthier, when they are healthier, both physically, mentally, emotionally and all the ways that we can be healthy and that Medicaid can be a part of that. Um, it allows people to be deep, more deeply engaged in their in their lives. It allows them to be more deeply engaged civically and to be able to have an impact on our state. I joined Health Forward at the end of June, right in the midst of all this work. So some of it predated me. So Cecilia, if you wouldn't mind just shedding some light on the work that was involved in the campaign and how you and Health Forward and others work together to make this happen. Absolutely. Um, I love talking about this because I think it exemplifies people power. And that is exactly how we got here. Health Forward Foundation and other um, steering committee members were really active and proactive in um, working with organizations, grassroots organizations all across the state um, in the ballot initiative process. And so ensuring that um, people were um, really being given information and signature gathering so that we could um, turn in over 350,000 signatures to um, our Secretary of State in May of 2020, which is what we did. Um, At that time, after we did that, um, we still had um, community participation with grassroots organizations as well as grass tops organizations all over the state who really partnered together and worked together in the broadest coalition that Missouri has ever seen. And so Health Forward has been um, positioned there along the way and has made sure that they have been a leader um, in organizing um, like-minded people um, to be able to push this forward. So this is a labor of love. Initially, we thought that we were going to be on the November ballot, and we found out um, in early June that we were going to be on the August ballot. So we had less than eight weeks to really um, hustle and drive to get all that we needed to get out there to the various communities, both urban and rural um, and exurban and suburban um, all over the state, the information that they needed to vote um, along yes on two. And so that's where you and I came in, McLean, and started um, working diligently um, all summer long to move this forward. And that's how we got here. I think it is a real example of Health Forward Foundation's commitment to community and commitment to the health and wellness of community um, and of community members um, committing to themselves and what will be better best for themselves and for their loved ones. Just to 
Uh, rewind a bit because I think some context on, you know, who you are and the role that you've played uh, in both the campaign stage and the implementation stage will help folks to understand why we're speaking with you today. So if you could please describe for us the role that you played during the campaign, as well as the role you're playing now in implementation. Sure. Um, during the campaign, I was a director of of inclusion and equity, which means that I actively throughout uh, the state uh, made sure that we were amplifying all voices, not just um, certain voices. And so with that in mind, making sure that um, brown and black people and other people of color in um, very rural parts of the state in the Boot Hill um, in Northwest and Northeast Missouri, as well as in Kansas City and St. Louis and Midmo, um, really had voice and presence and that we were um, making sure that we were helping to with their political education, with giving them all of the information about what it meant to expand Medicaid. And so now coming into the implementation stage um, of, of what we were able to do with the campaign is most important because we have to make sure that we're continuing to keep our endorsers and our coalition members informed about the process, that we're continuing to keep them engaged. We're allowing them to leverage their relationships and us to leverage ours to make sure that what Missourians voted for actually happens. Because there are other states that have um, expanded Medicaid and it has not been implemented. And we want to make sure we're not one of those states. We want to implement on time. So you you talked a bit about elected officials. Has there been any uh, activity similar to that in Missouri? There has. It is very much house politics. It's very much um, a political game. And yet it's one in which it makes those of us who are who are really um, interested in implementation, it makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us wonder, is this going to happen? We have to stay the course and stay steadfast and really help our legislators to remember um, who they're working for, which is us, the constituents and the constituents have asked for Medicaid to be expanded and implemented in our state. And so there are things that um, people are trying to do around things that were not a part of the ballot initiative process that we moved forward and that was passed. And so there are different ways in which people are trying to um, leverage their power in order to pass implementation, the Medicaid implementation, the way that they want to, not the way that it was put into our, our constitutional amendment. You, you mentioned the, uh, the ballot language and the constitutional amendment mm-hmm. um, and, and what it stipulates about um, expansion. And can you expand on that, uh, particularly the timeline for enrollment? Our constitutional amendment in Missouri requires for there to have been a response from um, the Missouri legislators by March 1st um, with how they were going to move forward. So budget, all the different ways of opening up um, ways in order for um, Missouri constituents to be able to enroll in the process. And our implementation date is July the 1st. That will remain the same because that is a constitutional amendment in Missouri. And what that means is that that what the Missouri voters voted for has to remain because an amendment is concrete. So during this current spring um, legislative season, people are going to be trying to do different things. And that is why we find it so important, all of us who have been in this fight, to do all of the things that we need to do. Uh, You know, it's also important to have uh, the stories of those with lived experiences to Mm -hmm. understand how Medicaid expansion is going to impact those 
that you worked so hard uh, to ensure that uh, now have access to uh, affordable health care. And so we felt it important to get the input of individuals with the lived experience to tell us what Medicaid expansion will mean to them mm-hmm. and what not having health insurance has meant in their lives. You know, we heard stories all over the campaign about that, about how um, having access to health care, just the burden that it takes off of um, hardworking Missourians. And I think it's very important for us to really share that. I think people have this myth that people that are going to have access to affordable health care and Medicaid expansion and implementation are ne'er-with-alls who just are lazing around and don't work. These are people that work often 40 to 60 to 80 hours a week um, at minimum wage employment who cannot afford to make a choice about their own wellness and wholeness and whether they pay their rent or their utilities or their food. And so when that is put into perspective, I think that people then can understand why it's so very important. It changes people's lives. It can help a person who has had... um, different and varying levels of depression and has been unable to hold a steady job to have a shift in their life and their work because they have access to care and access to partnering with a healthcare professional or a healthcare organization around their mental health, around their emotional health, around their physical health so that they can be more engaged citizens in the Missouri infrastructure. And that's what we all want. And so we know that it is important and we know that it change, it shifts and changes people's lives. So given the vast array of folks who will qualify, the question about how we're going to reach everyone and ensure that they're aware of the process for enrollment is, is now upon us. What are the most important things to consider as we ramp up enrollment efforts? Great question. I think that we have to consider making sure that we utilize our coalitions that we've been that we've built our um, across the state to make sure that we continue moving forward with ample um, information, ample political education, ample access that people are understanding that they may be a person who is now eligible for Medicaid. So making sure that we are giving folks all the information that they need, the access to the applications, the help in filling out the Medicaid applications um, so that they can get the services that um, they're warranted. And so I think really um, continuing to uh, move forward with our coalitions and making sure that they have the information to be able to then share out to their base and their allies. Everyone who's been paying attention uh, to the news cycle during the pandemic is aware of of the disparities that the pandemic has highlighted. Those same disparities existed pre-pandemic and were shown in or show themselves in the disparities in access to care and healthcare outcomes. How do those same equity considerations come into play Uh, in this implementation stage of Medicaid expansion. I think that we have to be very intentional about making sure that we um, are not only acknowledging that those disparities existed prior to um, expansion and now implementation, but um, also making sure that we are taking those into consideration as we are moving forward. We see that even now with different things around um, the vaccine and people having access to information so that they can make um, a choice for themselves um, based on um, 
critical knowledge and a critical analysis as opposed to the relationships that they've had with healthcare organizations because of the disparities. And so um, equity is at the center of um, Medicaid and Medicare and always has been. Medicaid was was designed to be a safety net for those who needed it. And so this has been something that we um, really try to talk about during the campaign and that we're trying to continue now in helping people to realize that we have to be intentional about making sure that communities that oftentimes don't get information, that oftentimes don't get access to um, ways in which they can be healthy, that we center those um, communities and that um that it does not always and often look like who we perceive it to be. So as much as we are doing that in urban core um, and inner city, Missouri and Kansas City and St. Louis, we should be doing that in the boot hill in Southwest Missouri in smaller communities where people don't often get the information that they need to take care of themselves well. And so um, these disparities will continue until we acknowledge and then move forward in action around ways in which we can lessen the disparities and that we are committed to doing so. Health Forward Foundation has really helped us to think about that in um, a more critical way. And with that in implementation, we have to continue to be critical around making sure that those voices um, and those communities where disparities have existed continue to be amplified. Cecilia, thank you so much for all of this. I've got one final question for you. This is really a how can we help moment to put a bow on this conversation, what what can we do? What can we as individuals, organizations, institutions, what have you, do to assist in uh, the enrollment process and any education that might need to occur around enrollment? This is a very important question. Thank you for asking it, McLean. Um, there's a lot that we can still do. Um, we can continue to make sure that um, as we built a mighty coalition, that we utilize um, that coalition to really continue to share information, to um, make sure that they are leveraging relationships that they have with elected elected officials. And so if you know someone who's in Jeff City um, with your um, state representative or with your um, district representative to be able to say, hey, listen, this is really important to me. I voted for this and it is my expectation that you will move forward the will of the voter. We want this to be done in a manner showing that we're in relationship so that we are wanting a win-win situation for everyone involved. We don't want people to be um, negative with their elected officials. We want it to be a positive affirmation of, you know, thank you for listening to um, the will of Missouri's voters. And this is our expectation of how this will move forward Um, with our partners and with our folks who have um, entities in their organizations that are working government relations or that are lobbyists, that they continue to move this message forward of what Missouri's voters voted for and what they expected. So for um, organizations that were our endorsers and that were our partners in this, continuing to have that steady push towards what is right, which is expanding Medicaid and implementing Medicaid in Missouri. And so now is not the time for us to take our foot off the pedal. It's the time for us to cr- increase um, our speed and our velocity and our expectation to our elected officials. And so while we do that, continuing to um, come together, continuing to make sure that we are being um, properly informed, continuing um, political education to our communities across the state, making sure that people know that they have access, making sure people know that they're where and when they can become enrolled, make sure 
that we are continuing to um, provide all the communication, all the information, all the education in the ways that we can. And those of us who um, have some proximity to power to making sure that we utilize and leverage that um, so that implementation happens on time, July 1st, 2021. Thank you again, Cecilia, for all the many insights and all the information that you shared with us today. Uh, and just know that Health Forward remains a very committed and active participant in implementation of Medicaid expansion. Thank you so much. Thank you.